We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good, e- Good evening and welcome to the uh, Hoosier Huddle podcast. It's our post-game show celebrating a victory over Michigan State and possession of the old brass platoons. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Our other host, TJ Inman, will be uh, with us shortly to talk about Indiana's victory over Michigan State. Um, Indiana won in overtime 24-21. It uh, wasn't the prettiest of games, but a win is a win. Um uh, TJ, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, uh, thanks as always, for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. And uh, obviously, today is uh, going to be a fun show, a game that we are definitely happy to relive with all of you. Yes, and um, just a, a programming note, uh, Big Ten Network, I think, is replaying the game uh, tomorrow at 1030 in the morning. Uh, it's apparently an enhanced version of the game. Uh, so I don't know what that means, uh, whether or not it'd be like uh, those old uh, MTV pop-up videos, uh, <laughs> you know, where, where the facts will pop up. Um, I'm probably dating myself, but um, with little tidbits popping up. So um, be on the lookout for that, set your DVRs. Uh, but, you know, and I do want to give a shout out to the people who stopped by the Hoosier huddle tailgate and for uh, to the Tansoni family for help hosting it. Uh, it was a great time. Uh, the weather was uh, perfect. It wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cold. Um, a great time had by all and, and topped it off with a win. So, you know, if they're going to win every time we, we throw a tailgate, we might, might have to do it every home game. So, um, you know, yeah, we enjoyed it, and, and thanks for coming out. But uh, getting back to the game, I, I think, you know, everybody's talking about the importance or significance of this win. Um, I, you know, was talking to Jeremy Gray after the game, who's, you know, an associate athletic director with IU, and I was talking to Matt Weaver as well from Peaks. And, you know, Matt and I agreed that this game, this win was a bigger win uh, then the Missouri win a couple years ago. I, I think you agree as well, TJ. Uh, but the, the significance yeah. of, of beating a, a ranked Big Ten team, a team that had had uh, won the Big Ten the year before, uh, had a seven-game winning streak in the series, um, and beating them at home uh, in front of a, a, a pretty good crowd. It was it was there were a lot of empty seats, but the, the crowd that was there was loud. Um, it, it did rain and sprinkle a little bit, so maybe that had people heading for the exits uh, a little bit early. But, um, you know, it was a loud crowd being down on the field for that final drive and then overtime. Uh, so, overall, I, I think it was a, a tremendous win for the program. 
Um, we'll put a, a number exactly on it, uh, you know, at the end of the season. If this is a win that propels them to seven, eight wins um, and, and a, a better bowl game, um, maybe it goes down as one of the all-time best wins uh, for IU. If this is just part of a, a, a win that, you know, maybe gets them to, to five wins and they, they bow out with five wins, uh, then, you know, it, it kind of goes back to that Missouri win where it was a nice win, a good win, uh, but they failed to follow it up. Now, I don't think going into next week we'll get that uh, – we'll get into that later in the week, but, you know, it's hard to follow up a, a victory against Michigan State by going to Columbus. But I, I think, um, you know, you, you're now going to come out of this stretch of Michigan State, Ohio State, and Nebraska at worst 3-3. Three and three. Um, that's yeah. the worst. And and we said coming into this game after the Wake Forest loss that it'd be very dangerous for this team to be two and four after this three game stretch. So they're at worst going to be three and three. Uh, you hope next week that they put on a good performance. Uh, everybody's healthy after the Ohio State game and come home, take care of business against uh, Nebraska and then move into uh, Northwestern and that softer part of the, the schedule there. Um, which does not include Michigan, uh, which is also going to be a tough game. But, you know, games against Maryland, Rutgers, you know, Penn State doesn't look like world beaters. And then, uh, of course, um, Purdue at the end. So, uh, TJ, what did you take away from this game in terms of significance? I mean, I, I think just the easiest comparison would be, you know, who's the better football program, Missouri or Michigan State? And I you know, I think Missouri is a, a good program, um, you know, and they were a good program at the time IU beat them. They still are solid. Uh, but I, I don't think there's anyone that would tell you that uh, the Missouri is a better football program than Michigan State. I think that's indisputable. Uh, Indiana beat one of the top, I don't know what, you know, what number you rank Michigan State, but I think it's safe to say they're definitely one of the top 25 football programs in the country. Uh, they have one of the best coaches in the country. And, you know, Indiana beat them. And in addition, they did so without Dan Finney. They did it without Demetri Camille. Did it without Simi Cobbs. You know, that's three of your best offensive players. Uh, Jacob Robinson didn't play, one of your better defensive linemen. So it, it really showed to me, uh, number one, the program has improved just significantly uh, during Kevin Wilson's tenure in terms of depth of, of talent on the roster. We talked about that, and I think it's uh, – um, kind of an obvious statement when you just look at uh, the players that are starting and you look at the players that are backups and even, you know, the third string guys, guys like uh, Patrick Doherty that, you know, you don't expect to get any contribution from at the start of the season, but he's played a vital role at the Indiana defensive line when he's forced to step up. He's been able to do so adequately uh, and better than that, really. So it was important because it showed the depth of the program, and it was important because in terms of the season, like you said, you're faced now with the, uh, an opportunity. You stole one that people didn't think you'd get. So it really replaces that Wake Forest loss. I'd prefer it this way. If you're giving me a three-in-one start, I'll take a win over Michigan State and losing to Wake Forest over you know winning your non-conference games and losing to, Wake, to Michigan State. I'll take it this way. Uh, just in level of uh, in terms of excitement that it created, you know, it came across on TV. It really did. It came across that 
Uh, like you said, there were some empty seats, no doubt about that, but uh, it came across as a pretty loud atmosphere, an intense atmosphere, and an excited atmosphere where people were genuinely, you know, invested in the game, having a great time. Uh, that came across, and uh, it seemed like a really cool atmosphere on TV. It seemed like a game that belonged on primetime uh, when you were watching it. It didn't feel out of place like a, you know, a game that was stuck there because they had nothing better to show on BTN. So that's important as well. Uh, there were a lot of recruits at the game. I have to imagine they enjoyed their experience, which is great for the future. Uh, and I, I think it really showed to the to the players that, you know, this program, we can talk about it. We can say we're getting better. We're improving. You know, we're the defense is really better. And, you know, you hear that over and over. And eventually you need a big win over – one of these, I consider it a top three in the East, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Michigan. I think it was really important for Indiana to beat one of them. It's one thing to say over and over again, you know, our guys believe they belong in the field with them. They believe they belong in the field with them. And it's one thing to, to, to say that, and it's one thing to get close to doing that. But it was really important for Indiana to break through, do more than just stay close, but to actually beat one of those marquee programs in the division. Yeah, and as nice as it would have been to win in regulation with the fourth down stop uh, on the goal yeah. line, unfortunately, Chase Dutra fell down, and it's infuriating to watch. But, you know, it, it was – That's all of us. He fell down. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you had – He read, I, I it. He read think, it correctly, looked like. Yeah, they had the play covered. He just fell down. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't get a good look at it on replay – I don't know if he just slipped and Josiah Price helped him down or if no. uh, Josiah Price caused it. He just looked like he, he slipped on the, it, it was raining and that new turf is slick in the, in the water and in, um, in the rain. Yeah. So, you know, he slipped, it's unfortunate, but it happened. But I think, you know, there was so much pent up frustration and I know there are people out there who probably did not like the field rush, but, especially over the past oh, few years um, over the past few years and, and the last couple decades, I think it was important for IU fans to sell together, celebrate with the team. This was a, a really big win warranted of yeah. a field rush. They, the fans did not take down the goalposts. The security guards did um, to prevent them from getting taken down, but it was just, you know, it, it was all that frustration from losing two overtime, three overtime games or two overtime games mm-hmm. last year, losing at the goal line against Ohio state. And just, you know, it was like a, a cathartic event uh, to be on the field there. Um, but let's get, get into the game uh, a, a little uh, bit more in depth. There are some things that, you know, are a little troubling and, and I'll start with Griffin Oaks. He's, yeah, you know, he's, He's a guy who last year was the Big Ten kicker of the year. Um, he's still terrific on kickoffs, but, you know, I, I've said it before and, and I'll say it again. I, I think it's it's mental uh, with him at this point. Um, you know, last year he missed kicks and bunches. I think he missed a couple in the bowl game. And maybe that it's that bowl kick that's in his head. Um, you know, maybe, you know, he can't get that out of his head, but you saw 
on that last kick and he got bailed out the, the field goal before and overtime with a leaping penalty, but you saw him short leg it. And, you know, I was talking to Matt Weaver, who's a, a golfer and, you know, kicking and, and golfing uh, golf swing are very similar in terms of timing and, and fundamentals. Uh, but he short legged it and the two previous kicks he, he hooked and, and uh, it went wide, but I think he was trying to play it safe. Uh, the t- the kick got tipped apparently. I just thought it was a low kick and, and hitting a line drive. Um, so, um, you know, I think you have to start worrying about where Griffin Oaks' head is at. Um, you know, yep. and, and I thought his celebration, it, it was warranted. But, man, going one for three, I think instead of running down the field like you won the Super Bowl, you know, give your your holder a, a hug and and go get that trophy and 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 thank the big guy upstairs that that ball went through because, you know, you miss it there and and who knows what happens. But overall, you know, I, I think it's a fixable issue, uh, hopefully with Oaks. But it it is concerning, especially with some of these um, red zone issues that that Indiana has getting the ball into the end zone. Um, but you know that we'll talk about that in a little. What did what did you take away from Griffin Oaks? I uh, I mean the I think the celebration was was quite a bit of relief mixed in with the joy. Um, I you know I'm not gonna like you said it, you understand the celebration. We're not gonna we're not gonna fault him for for being happy and celebrating. They earned it. He's part of that. Um, but I I do think overall you've got to be concerned, and it has to kind of start to creep into the uh, play callers and the, the decision makers, Kevin Wilson and Kevin Johns. It's got to kind of creep into their head. And now with, you know, what you do on third and fourth down in scoring opportunities, um, you know, do you start to maybe start to maybe consider going for it a few more times on fourth down where in previous, you know, efforts you would kick uh, the one that stands out for me that I, I don't think we'll see this again is Indiana um, returned a uh, return a punt, Mitchell Page 31-yard uh, punt return that Indiana just decided to run it three times. They were in scoring zone right away on that punt return thanks to a good play by the defense. Um, and they ran it three times, and it uh, ended up with a fourth and two Missed 40-yard field goal for Oaks. That's what I have on the play-by-play here. Uh, right after that, Michigan State goes eight plays for 77 yards and scores their second touchdown of the game to go up 14 to nothing. At that point, I will admit to thinking the game was over because uh, Indiana had blown a golden opportunity to, to, to score. They had great field position. I thought the play calling was incredibly conservative there, and they paid for it with the missed field goal. So do you start to think, well, you know, we're not comfortable anymore kicking from 40 yards. I, I, I don't think they're to that point yet, but, you know, a couple more games uh, like this, and, and that's where we're going to be. Yeah, and, and and to me, it's he's not just, you know, the 50-yarder, it's 50 yards. You can understand that. Yeah, that's understandable. That. Yep. That, that's yeah. understandable. 40-yarders, he, he should be fairly automatic. It's these, you know, I think the overtime field goal was 33. He missed a short one against FIU. Um, 
And it's, you know, you're right. It's sometimes it's, we saw Wilson last year get play, uh, his play calling and, and John's play calling got a little, um, you know, paranoid with the defense. And I think, you know, he mentioned it in the, the post game this week that he, you know, play, was calling plays, you know, a little close to the best that he trusted yeah. his defense to make the plays. And, um, you know, one of the notes I wrote down at the beginning of the game, I believe it was a fourth and one or fourth and two uh, around midfield. And I, I thought Indiana would be aggressive and go for it instead of punting. Um, they ended up punting and, um, you know, it turned out, I, I think that was, um, I believe that was the, uh, the play, the drive Michigan State scored a touchdown. Um, yeah, it was Indiana's first punt. Um, they started at 13, and, and you know, whatever, yeah. it ends up under the touchdown because that's what happens. You'd have a great kick, and and, and uh, that that's what happens sometimes. Um, but, you know, it, it's these shorter field goals, I think maybe with the, the Tyler Nitti pass, which I thought was not as horrible of a play call as everybody thought it was. Um, Redding was open, I think, you know, Nati just, you know, he was a quarterback in high school. He was a fairly good one. He has a decent arm. I just think he rushed it and, and threw it over Ian Thomas's head um, there. Yeah. But if he and, just waited a second, I think Redding would have been open uh, for the score. And then, you know, I, you know, it's a different story. But I think you're going to see them. You're right, TJ, in terms of, you know, those 45, 40-yard field goals, they might get a more aggressive offensively because you need points. You, you can't – I mean, Indiana had great field position all night. They started at their own – on average at their own 35 um, or 34-yard line. It was one of our, our stats or numbers that mattered. And I believe there were five trips inside of Michigan State territory that came away with nothing. So at some point, you're going to have to say, you know – we got to score a touchdown. We can't just kick and, and miss field goals. Um, so yeah. that to me, I, I think it's going to get a little bit more aggressive. People might complain about it, but you know, what can you do? Your, your, your kicker, um, I don't want to say has the yips, but that's what it seems like um, is that mm-hmm. he, he's gone off, off the rails in terms of consistency and, and you can't really trust them. Whether, you know, that's going to get fixed. We'll see, but, you know, you got to get points, especially at home against teams like Penn State, against Maryland, um, and, and Purdue. Is you just got to get points on the on the board um, and have something to show uh, for the offense. Um, yep. Did, did you have a problem with the play calling? I know you know the first touchdown came on on a throwback from Mitchell Page. I love the play call. It's something yep. that you know I, I have one. Um, one follower who uh, tweets me that, you know, it, it, I can't wait for the IU program to be a program where we don't need those gimmick plays, but every program runs gimmick plays. That's going to happen. And yeah. at some point in time, when you need a touchdown, you're going to have to run one of those plays and they executed it. Well, Paige threw a, a beautiful ball to, to Legault who made an absolutely fabulous catch. They calmed the offense down, showed that they belonged. And, you know, they went on a, on a 21-0 run um, or, or scored another 14 uh, points after that one for a 21-0 run. Um, and, and Legault looked really sharp. And people calling for, for Diamant or um, 
Peyton Ramsey, you guys got to calm down. You know, if people are saying Diamond has a better arm, has a better passer. <laughs> the the kid it has the kid's got moxie, and he has you know he has uh, guts and all of that, and he could run the ball a little bit. But he's a career uh, passer of forty eight percent with one career touchdown and four career picks. So let's slow the roll on Xander Diamond. Trust Legault. He made some big time throws. Um, and throws that, you know, maybe Nate Sudfeld wouldn't have made, um, but he made some big-time NFL throws. And even though he threw that first pick, um, the pick over Mitchell Page's head, that play was open. He just sailed it. It, it was not a good throw, but he came back, back bounced back. He was 16-26, 276 yards, I believe, and he played a terrific game. Um, so people need to stop it with the, we need to bench Lego every time he, oh my God, he almost threw an interception. So they got to stop that. Yeah. Lego, Lego was really good in that second half. In the first half, I don't think he was bad. Uh, you know, he made one poor throw. He overthrew Mitchell page. That should have been a touchdown in the first half. Um, he'd like to have that one back, but, um, and then he forced one when he scrambled, um, that could have been picked off, but you know it, it would have been a good interception if it would have been made, and you're going to have those plays happen. Um, but overall, I thought Lego was really, really great in the second half. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, despite the uh, Tyler O'Connor completion for 86 yards to Shelton, the average yards of completion for Michigan State was 12.5 compared to Indiana's 16.5 yards per completion. So, you know, what that tells you is, you know, Richard Legault is not dinking and dunking his way down the field. They're challenging uh, challenging him with their play calls. The routes that they're running are challenging for him to complete. Uh, they're not easy throws, and he's making them. Uh, I would like to continue to see and really see an increase in kind of the quick slants that they're running. I feel like that uh, 10 to 15-yard slant route, particularly with Ricky Jones and then Nick Westbrook as well, I think we've seen a couple weeks in a row now that that has been a, a good route for Lego to hit. I think he throws a really good, uh, really good ball there. He leads his receiver well, hits him in stride, and, and it's a tough ball for the defense to play because he throws, you know, he throws lasers, real strikes. Uh, and then I use receivers, Jones and, and Cobbs or uh, Jones and Westbrook when they get the ball. You know, they're obviously doing well once they get into the space. Uh, another big day for Jones, for sure. So I'd like to see more of that. But uh, for me, um, any talk about, you know, backup quarterback is a, is a non-starter at this point. I think Lego has done more than enough to show uh, show he's the guy for this team. Um, his teammates clearly have responded to him. You know, if, if any had a quarterback problem, they don't beat Michigan State. So, uh, I'm not saying that it was entirely Legos doing that they did so, but I think in that second half he had his fair share of of, of uh, earning that victory. Yeah, and, and I mean uh, you, you credit his receivers too, and, and the play calling they they're I think they're trying to figure out what he does well and what he can't do. Sure. Um, and yeah. learning on the run, it's a guy who's only been here since January, hasn't had that much practice time. And, you know, it's a lot of learning on the fly. It's different than having a, had a freshman on campus for a couple of years and having him slowly learn the playbook. This is, you know, 
as we've seen, it's a, start, you know. Yeah, it's as we've seen, this team is talented enough to beat some of the better teams in the Big Ten now, and and they needed somebody to come in and take the reins, and, and Lego is is that guy, and he is, you know, it's a trial by fire. He's learning as they go, and he's just going to get better. He learned for uh, he learned learned from last week and he'll learn again from this week. And I think that that touchdown to Ricky Jones was the same play that he threw the interception on. Um, you know, he threw a nice little pump fake in there with the shoulder and Ricky Jones is wide open just as Mitchell page is wide open um, mm-hmm. on that play. And, you know, it, it's, he's, he, this is the guy that's going to lead you to a second bowl game. And, you know, every time that something goes wrong, it, you know, you can't just pull the guy. Um, and it's something, we, you know, we've talked about way too much. Um, we've heard it after the first half at FIU. We heard it after Wake Forest, you know, and now at the first sign of trouble, you know, let's yank him against Michigan State. It's cool your Jets, uh, relax, enjoy the entire game, um, and get going, you know. I mean, I, I've, I've watched a lot. I've watched a lot of Big Ten football here so far this season. He's not the best quarterback in the conference. That's true. You know, he's not that's the best we'll quarterback see, in the conference. We'll see but, that guy uh, this week. Yeah, that's true. But I, I'll tell you what. I'll take our guy um, because I, I've seen what some of the alternatives are at other schools around the conference, and I think Lego is better than most. So I'm pleased with that position. I think he's going to continue to grow, like you said, and I, I don't, especially after, you know, a really good win. I don't think he should his position or anybody else's is one that should come under um, any calls for for criticism. So uh, one thing that's encouraging for me, um, we talked about Indiana not doing all that well on third down. I think that improved uh, quite a bit uh, on Saturday night. Indiana goes nine for 16, Michigan State only four for 15. Um, you know, the yardage ends up being 438 to 437. So, you know, carbon copy right there. But Indiana was a little higher on yards for play. They're better on third down, um, and ultimately, you know, get the close win. But uh, it was good to see the improvement on third down, and um, you know, we saw. Uh, Tyron uh get get some run, um, and he had a couple of nice plays, particularly a 12-yard run, called back due to a holding penalty. He would have been over 50 yards. Uh, Divine Redding um, had himself probably his best day uh, of the season, and I, I, you know, it's good to see him perform really well uh, and have a nice explosive play which I thought was a really good play call, uh, have a nice explosive play against against a good defense. Uh, that was nice to see, and I, I think we'll continue, continue to see uh, Tavernati and his role in this offense kind of evolve, and I, I think we're going to – I personally think he'll end up getting 10 to 15 carries a game uh, if he stays healthy. And, I mean, Michigan State defenders, he was – no, it wasn't hurting me. You watch it on TV. It seemed to me that every time he ran the ball, somebody got hurt. Right. Yeah, and whether or not it was quote, unquote, him. hurting guys, you know, they weren't injuries, 
but they were they were feeling it. You know, they they felt it after they tackled him or after he lowered the boom and, you know, a couple other guys surrounded him and he eventually fell. You know, it wasn't a case of uh of him really being the one that took the contact it seemed like and you know it's a punishing running style, but he's a he's a big guy. Um you don't want to see him just constantly seeking out contact. I don't think that's what he's doing. I think it was he's got a place to go and the defender's in the way and, you know, he's he's got to go through you then. And it, you know, he showed off some uh a couple of he's got some moves, uh yeah, He's yeah, got I, I really moved in, in his arsenal. Yeah, um, definitely. I and I, I thought that surprised. Him... So that was great to see um, for Nati. You know, I think the running game was much better uh, this week with the the restructured offensive line than it was against Wake Forest, and that was that was encouraging. I know they didn't have, you know, a, a a ton of, I think it was four yards per carry. Michigan State had not allowed higher than three yards per carry against anybody else. So that's good. Uh, I, I, I just felt like. Yeah, four yards. And that's including yeah. a minus five team run, which I don't I don't remember. No, I don't either. I, I saw that in the box card. I'm not sure what that was referring to. But uh, I, I, just, I don't know about you, but I, I felt like the, the running game was uh, particularly in the in the second half, I felt like it wasn't a waste of a play to run the ball, which against Wake Forest, that's what it felt like. You know, it felt like Indiana was, was really mostly getting positive things when they ran the ball, um, minus the, the early holding penalties. It, it seemed like it was a whole lot better, and that was a negative from the game was, was the, the penalties in the first half, but you feel a lot better about it because they really cleaned that up in the second half and did a great job of not having any in the second half and overtime. So I thought the running game was much better. I think we'll continue to see it uh, look pretty good. And I think, Tyron, do you think that 10 to 15 carries per game sounds, you know, roughly about right? It's going to differ game to game, but on average, do you think that's about kind of what we'll see with the kind of a goal line red zone and uh, and third down is kind of where they rely on him the most. Yeah. You know, I, I thought he was a game changer. Um, I, I think after he started pounding on the defensive line, it opened things up um, and, and I, credit goes to the passing game as well. IU started to hit some long passes and Michigan state had to respect it. Um, and, you know, you saw the pass to Luke Timmy who made an unbelievable catch um, and, you know, you saw yeah. the – and now everybody knows his, his name. For those of you who, you know, were saying Luke Timmy and we don't know his name, well, you know it now. Um, so, you know, and, and then you had the long play to, to Ricky Jones. So I think that loosened up the defense a little bit, and it didn't hurt, you know, to have Tyler Nitti at 200. He's listed at 270. He's probably bigger than that. Um you know, being that bulldozer in the middle and wearing down that defensive line. Um, you know, I ten Indy. I don't think Indiana ran as many plays as they usually do. I think they ran sixty-seven no, they plays. Um, yep. So if we're gonna go, let's say they run their average of like eighty plays a game, I could see them running the ball forty to forty-five times. They ran thirty, thirty-nine, including that weird team rush. 
Um, so 39, 40 times um, with Redding getting the majority of it. I, and, you know, I, I'd like to see um, Devontae Williams and Mike Majek get the ball more and, and um, Tyler yeah. Nantee get the ball more. And I think if you could get those guys maybe, you know, between eight to ten carries each um, and, and take a few ways, uh, you know, few carries away from Devine, not because of a lack of production. He, he was very good uh, Saturday night, but I think it's he needs his, his against a bigger line like Michigan State and uh, you know against Michigan and, and Ohio State. It's going to be a, a more of a collective effort, and I'd like to see some quicker guys uh, like Williams and the Jet um, and, and a few stronger guys like Nati get the ball, wear it down and then use Redding um, to find those holes, use his burst mm-hmm. to, to hit the hole and, and run downfield. Um, but I thought another underrated aspect of the game was the return game, and, and we talked about it a little bit with Mitchell Page's return. But I thought this is the first game where Indiana actually had a consistent kick return game. Um, the yeah. Michigan State kicker could not um, – I think Kevin Cronin could not reach the end zone, so they had a good – um, you know, good opportunity to, to return kicks. It looked like Williams was much more decisive um, in whether or not to return it. And, and, you know, maybe that's because he's fielding it at two or so instead of in the end zone where, you know, he hesitated for a second and then took it out. But, um, yeah, Devontae Williams had three returns for 90 yards, 30 yards return. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought that that played a big big role in terms of getting a good field position um, and uh, really making it easier for the offense to, you know, even, even when the offense didn't get, you know, into Michigan state territory, they were set up to flip the field. And, you know, I, I, I am starting to think that they figured out that return game. We hope so. Yeah. I mean, it, he looked dangerous back there. He looked, uh, seemed like he was, like you said, more decisive, uh, kind of quicker to just get north and south as opposed to kind of zigzag a little bit. And that's good to see. I, I th- it would not be surprised to see him uh, break one at some point this year. And that'd be big because plays like that can certainly change the outcome of, of a game if the two teams are, are fairly close. Um, I, guess, I guess we should talk about uh, the unit that, kept Indiana in that game until the offense was able to break through, and that's the defense. Um, I think it's it's very simplistic, but I do think it's correct to say there's no way that Indiana wins a game of that type last season uh, or any time in in recent memory. They just don't. Uh, There's no way that the defense This reminded me of the – reminds me of the the – Penn State game a couple of years ago um, in 2014 yes. yeah. um, when the well, defense held yeah. up to yeah. 13 points and it was not the best Penn State team but that Penn State no. defense is very good and is very similar to this year's Michigan State team um, in terms of that they they're not the Michigan State of the last few years uh, they they graduated a senior quarterback who's now in the NFL um, and all that but mm-hmm. you know to me that that it's a game that IU usually does not win um, where right. the offense struggles and struggles and struggles until the second half. 
And then, you know, I thought the defense played well. They should have had an interception on the first drive of the game. Um, you know, I, you know, it's, I, and I, I told people this, um, and during the game, I, I'm just sick and tired of IU getting these bogus flags every time they make a play on defense. Like, it's shocking yep. that IU made a play on defense. I thought that that pick was the the receiver went into Tony Fields, um, and, yep. and Fields made a great play on the ball and, and intercepted it. And, you know, they were like, I can't believe that. Let's throw a flag. So, you know, yep. and and to me, it, it's they bounced back really well. Um, you know, it's it was just a, on that touchdown as a mismatch. RJ Shelton is not going to get guarded by, by Ben Bach as nice of a player as, as Ben Bach has been um, this season. He's just not in the same class as RJ Shelton who just ran by him and then credit to, to Richard Fant for chasing him down and nearly keeping him out of the end zone. Um, you know, but you know, to, to me that defense played well. Tigray scales has been terrific oh, this great. year. He's had a, yeah. Uh, another career high um, with 14 tackles, uh, one and a half tackles for a loss. Uh, Marcus Oliver, who we haven't talked about a lot this year. And, and, you know, he had a tremendous year last year, 112 tackles. He just keeps on doing what Marcus Oliver does. He had seven tackles, tackle for a loss, and a forced fumble, uh, which was the yep. ninth of his career at IU, which tied him for the, the school record. Um, and I'm pretty sure that he will break that before his time is up in, in Bloomington. And then you have to, you know, give the defensive line credit, you know, TJ, they played a three man front um, a lot. They were missing Jacob Robinson, who you know, Wilson said today was out with a concussion. Um, yeah. so we'll see if he's, he comes back, but um, they played a three man front due to that. And just due to what Michigan state does on offense. So it's good to see, the um, you know the staff and Coach Allen's willing to adjust to the cards that they are dealt. I you know and and that's something that you know you've seen coordinators time and time again just be stubborn and and not change. Um, and it's good to see guys like Patrick Doherty who who have um, you know practiced and and given their heart and soul to this program really come up with two big plays the sack in overtime and a block field goal early in the game. Um, you know, you saw Nate Hoff make a big, you know, he had five total tackles and for a defensive tackle, that's great. Um, yeah. And, and a big sack in overtime. And then I thought, you know, the guy uh, you could get excited about in the secondary um, is Ashawn Riggins. Uh, Ashawn Riggins broke yep. up two passes, had five tackles, um, and then I, I'd like to throw out Chris Covington's name too. Uh, he won special teams player of the week this week uh, for his coverage. And he, every time I looked up, he he was flying to the ball when he was on the field and, mm-hmm. and making uh, somebody pay for their hit. So what else did Covington, you take away yeah. from the defense? Covington is a guy that I had down and somebody I wanted to mention. And Kevin Wilson mentioned him uh, this week and to today, actually in his press conference, uh, he mentioned that Covington was playing with more confidence and uh, a linebacker, and that they're really pleased with that. And it, it shows on the field. I mean, he's, he's doing a nice job getting more playing time than I think we expected coming into the year, and he's earned it. Um, Ashawn Riggins is Indiana's second-best corner right now, uh, and that's great. You know, I, I think he's – right now he's playing like a guy that will step in um, 
to be the number one corner when, when Richard fans depart. So um, it's really encouraging to see that. Uh, another player that, that – and the secondary as a whole, you know, you take away that uh, big play for um, Shelton and their second longest passing play was 24 yards. Um, yeah, and I believe really that was no other, that broken yeah, the, the play where yeah. Shelton held up in the in the backfield and and things like that. But you know that the secondary has bounced back um, time and time again this year. When they didn't make a yeah. play, they came back and made a play. And you know it's it's really you know now we could say that this defense has improved, regardless of yeah. what they do at Ohio State. Um, it's they they've really recovered well they've limited the big plays um just you know one last week and that was the first i i would say really big play they've given up all year um yeah yeah my my one uh one final name i wanted to point out on uh on defense is that uh i i know that marcelino ball gets gets lost occasionally out there that that's you know it's true he gets lost uh it kind of looks like pre-snap. He just doesn't quite get to the assignment in time, or um, you know, we we don't know exactly what's going on because we don't have communication with with the play call. But um, he occasionally gets lost in coverage. Um, but his presence on the field jumps off the screen. Uh, he makes plays. He makes. He is incredibly physical for a freshman and for a college football player just in general, um, he's the kind of secondary player that Indiana doesn't have very often. I mean, he looks like a different kind of player for Indiana's defense, and I think he's incredibly exciting to watch. I'm I'm really excited to see uh, this secondary, and the defense in general is young. You know, most of these guys are going to be back next year uh, and if they can continue to develop under Tom Allen, you know, they could go from being, oh, they've improved, to every week you're going to look at them getting better. Now, you know, this week, it's a tall task. Staff are probably not going to look better than they did this week. You know, that'd be stunning. But just in general, over the course of the season, I think you're really going to see this team, this unit continue to, to gel and improve together. Um, and that's it's really exciting to see, and it's something we're not used to, and, and I'm I'm fired up about it. Definitely, and you know, youth is something to be fired up about too. But you know, you got to look at these these upperclassmen leaders like Olive and T. Gray Scales who are playing, oh yeah, you know, best ball of their career and, and helping along yep. these young guys. Um, so I, I do think that the the future is bright for this defense, and you know they'll they'll package this good feeling um do what you can against ohio state uh we'll have that pregame show uh later on in the week um do what you can you know you, you want to play well um right. but ohio state this might be urban meyer's best best team he's had at ohio state and that speaks volumes seeing that he's 54 and 4 there uh with a big 10 ch- title and a national title um, this yeah. this team, you know, beat Rut- Rutgers, who who might be worse than Purdue, believe it or not. No, um, no, no, no. Uh, we'll see. Without no, Rutgers, Rutgers Grant, has a defense. Rutgers has a defense. Not a great one, true. but it's 
it's better. I mean, goodness, Maryland, 400 yards rushing against Purdue. And I, I think Maryland's a lot better than we thought they'd be, but I, I don't think Purdue has any pride left uh, to, for Daryl Hazel. I, I don't I think they're counting down the days till the season's over and he's out the door. But that's a different podcast, I guess. But uh, yeah, you're right uh, about in general about how good Ohio State uh, appears. Yeah, to be. I, would, I would just package up the good feelings. Yeah, you know, yep. take what you can from the game. Go out. You have nothing to lose against Ohio State now that you beat Michigan State. You don't need. I mean, look, this program needs a, a win against Ohio State, but it's not you're not in dire need for this win to go to a bowl game. Um, it's a game right. where you're playing with nothing to lose. Um, it's a game that the ESPN FPI has Indiana at like a 2% chance of winning. The spread is 32 yeah. points. So yeah, it's the numbers. If you're a numbers guy, don't look at the numbers this week. Um, <laughs> it, it's depressing, but um, you know, take what you can from this game uh, it's very, it's a big feather in the cap for Wilson and the program. Um, bottle it up, give them, give the Buckeyes a good game. Um, go out yeah. there. Wilson has had, you know, Urban Meyer's number, um, you know, so far in his career at IU, he hasn't won yet, but he's given IU a better chance of beating Ohio state in the last five or six years than anybody has had since Mallory. Um, so, you know, this is a game where nothing to lose. You're going to see some gadget plays, open the playbook, put some things on tape, um, get everybody out of this game healthy. Um, the, the last thing uh, that you want is a repeat of last year where, you know, one blown tackle leads to Jordan Howard and, um, and Nate Sudfeld missing time. Uh, and yeah. who knows if they were healthy, you never know what happens in happy Valley. Um, and the worst thing that IU could do is have something happen to a major player, um, like Richard Lego, uh, like a divine Redding or one of their receivers or, you know, guys on defense like fans or Marcus Oliver, or T gray scales, where it might, you know, you lose the battle to win the war, so to speak. And this is a battle yep. that's okay to lose as long as your guys get through healthy and can win the rest, you know, go and beat Nebraska, um, have enough have enough guys on the field healthy enough to, to beat Nebraska. Go to Northwestern, who's a team I can't figure out. Um, no, neither you can know, I. It, I mean, who knows? They lose to, to Illinois State. They're, it's, they're weird. Um yeah, you know, can't and, find and the then offense, you have and then 38 against Iowa. So yeah, yeah. so then you know you have the rest of your schedule to navigate. So so get get out of Columbus healthy. Uh, put on a you know give a good effort. Show that you can back up that Michigan State win with your best effort and not just rest on the laurels. To me, that's what sure. I'm looking at next week. Is can they back up the effort? And in terms of when they beat Missouri, they did not come out with their best effort against Maryland and lost. So come forth with your best effort, get out of the game clean um, and, and get going for, um, for Nebraska, Uh, you know, play with nothing to lose, play your hearts out. And maybe just maybe Saturday's day where IU gets all breaks and, you know, shocks the world. 
But we'll talk about more of that on Wednesday. Um, TJ, any final thoughts? You know, I I I, uh, I texted. I was texting with you and my dad. Uh, my dad, you know, one of the reasons, probably the main reason, I'm an IU fan. Um, texting with him, you know, during the game, and you know, we were stunned. And yet, it came back. Not that they were in the game against Michigan State. You know, I think we, you know, you called it. You called now. You went over Michigan State, and I expected it to be close. Um, so that wasn't surprising that Indiana was in that game. Uh, it was a you know a bit surprising how it unfolded with the the defense keeping IU in the game and um, you know if you tell me IU shut out at halftime I'm I'm thinking it's a blowout but uh, it was not surprising IU was in the game but when Indiana let Michigan State or Mich- I don't think Indiana let them but you know, Michigan State did their job to, to come back and score tied at 21. And it goes to overtime. You know, I texted you and my dad that I, I've seen this movie before. I know how it ends. I don't like it. Um, I, you know, and you, you texted back something like change the story or change the narrative. And you're right. That's exactly what they did. It went from we never win these kind of games to we just won that kind of game. And now you've got that in your head for the next time. The players have it in their head. The fans have it in their head. Now we can say we've done it. You know, the Indiana players can say we've done that kind of game. It's not talk anymore. They actually did it. So for me, that's incredibly important uh, as a fan. You know, and what I think going into a game or during a game is irrelevant to the outcome for sure. But uh, I just think it's really great for the mindset of all of us that we can now say, you know, it's possible that this team can play that kind of a grinded-out game and not just be competitive, but get the job done and come out on top. And you're going to have a lot more games like that. It won't play out exactly like that, but you're going to have a lot more games that are in that scenario where it's close and it's up to who makes plays at the end of the game. That, that's what's going to happen in, this, in the Big Ten in every major conference. And I think it's really important that Indiana was able to do it and know they can do it again. So it was great to watch. Great to see the, the joy on the players' faces as they uh, were able to take back the old brass platoon. Uh, it, it was a great night, it really was. Yeah, well, it was. You couldn't have drawn it up any better. I, I went home and watched the game on TV again afterwards. The field looked spectacular. It, it, it yeah. really looks like a different stadium. Um, this is the reason why you have the chrome helmets. It's to play at night against big-time teams and win. It's the I think their biggest win in the Chrome Chrome helmets, um, you know, since they've had them. You had a whole bunch of recruits in the stand. It was aside from making that fourth down stop, it was a, a perfect end uh, to a you know a perfect college football uh, Saturday in Bloomington. And hopefully, you know, there's more to come this fall. And, and future falls where this is how you start to build a culture. This is when yep. kids go to, go to class on Monday and, um, and talk about, hey, were you at the game Saturday? Did you rush the field? Did you celebrate with the players? Um, did, you, you know, did you see Lego uh, catch a pass? This is what gets the buzz going on campus. And so uh, more of these games will build that culture, um, and, you know, there's a lot of 
opportunities for them this year. You have Nebraska coming in, who will be a top 15 team uh, for homecoming. Um, Maybe and top 10. Maybe. Well, they they have the week off this week, so there'll have to be a lot of there'll have to be a lot of shifting. But it's potential they could be a top 10 team uh, and pull up the old Alabama. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. 